Let's open the Word of God to John chapter 7. The Gospel of John chapter 7 and those three precious verses. Let's spend a few more minutes on them and then let's come to the Lord's table where the gift of the Holy Spirit was purchased by the death of Jesus Christ for us. He was given the spoils of victory by his Father and he divided the spoils with the strong. Those are his brothers and sisters. That's you and me. John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles of the Jews, in September, October of the year, the fall, six months before he died at Passover, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Jesus was glorified when he was exalted in heaven at the right hand of God. When that occurred, God gave him the gift of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God, to give to his church, which he then poured out on that said church, the gift of the personal presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And he was poured out upon believers. And so we have that 39th verse telling us some events that were to come in six months that are now 2,000 years old. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit given on the day of Pentecost. We need to properly assess the value of this incredible and transcendent prophecy and appreciate it. God gave the greatest gift he could give. If you really think about it, better than eternal life. Himself. To us forever. I mean, eternal life is so selfish. I like to think of the gift of himself to us as being better. No, we don't want to go to hell and we want to spend eternity in heaven. But for God to come down and dwell within us, that is just an incredible gift. You know spiritual gifts are the greatest, so he gave you of his own spirit. You need practical help to live in this world? He can empower you to do it. You need power to live and bear fruit? He is the power. You like personal intimacy? Every person in here loves personal intimacy. God the Spirit lives inside of you, sheds abroad His love, and testifies to your spirit on a spirit-to-spirit better than face-to-face. Face-to-face, people can lie to you. Spirit-to-spirit, from the Spirit of God to your spirit, that you're the Son of God. The value of a thing is by exchange. Christ died for you to have His Spirit. That should tell you the value of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yet there's risk, because He can be reduced or taken away in power or even be your enemy if we don't live the righteous lives we should. This gift, this prophecy, this passage of Scripture is not an academic exercise. It's not a mere concept, a doctrine, a notion, or a mystery to us. He is reality. This is God in us. Better than God with us. It's God in us. Paul sought much for Ephesus, as you heard from Brother Newell, as you heard from me on Wednesday evening, as I wrote you, preached to you, Paul sought for the church at Ephesus to have more of the Spirit, but they neglected that writing. They neglected that epistle so that when we read the first five verses of Revelation chapter 2, they were in danger of losing their candlestick, which was the Spirit's presence in that church. Lord, save us from that. 
He told them to remember from whence they were fallen, to repent and do the first works, or else he would come quickly and take the candlestick away. I'll remove him, male pronoun, I'll remove him out of his place. That's the Holy Spirit. Which they that believe on him should receive, is what we have here in verse 39. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him, that is real, life-changing faith that includes love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me summarize briefly. I'm going to summarize more than once. Let me summarize briefly a few conditions necessary for more of the Spirit. You will want to find this on the website, but here we go. These are ten points. Just think with me. Faith, because it tells us faith. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In verse 38. In verse 39, this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him. So faith initially to come to Christ and also to believe his promises. Romans 15, 13, the God of hope is able to fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. He is a God, the faith is, hold on, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him. And the greatest reward is for him to give us of himself and to have that Holy Spirit bursting out with rivers flowing from us. So it's faith. Faith in God's promises. And believing those promises is how we partake of the divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1. I've got to go on. Faith. Repentance. For your entire past and when we confess our individual sins... Because when the men in the day of Pentecost said to the apostles, what shall we do? Repent. Repent and be baptized and every one of you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, let me go ahead and cheat right here and read the next verse. Acts 2.39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to as many as are afar off. And you better be glad for those words afar off because I don't see very many Jews sitting here today. As many as are afar off as us wild Gentiles scattered all over the world. The promise is unto you and to your children and to as many as the Lord our God shall call, even those that are afar off. Repentance is next. If you go to Job chapter 33, verses 27 and 28, where Elihu explained how to repent, he said that a man that repents the way I've just explained in that 27th verse, he's going to get the blessings of the 28th verse. He's going to give you life and light. He'll cause your, he'll restore your life by the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. A broken heart. Psalm 51 and verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart. A broken and a contrite spirit thou wilt not despise. When God doesn't despise what we give him in the way of a sacrifice, he will bless with his spirit. Because remember, in Psalm 51, was it about the Holy Spirit? It absolutely was. David said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me and we understand, like you took him from Saul. David got to watch the Holy Spirit taken from King Saul, given to him, and an evil spirit from the Lord sent on King Saul. And so he said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Then he went on to describe that broken heart. There are times we need to mourn. God will draw nigh to us, James chapter 4, when we're mourning. We need a broken heart. He wants to see us broken before him. Number four, obedience. Acts chapter 5 and verse 32 says this about the Holy Spirit. Acts 
5.32. And we are his witnesses of these things, the apostles said, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Obedience yep. to them that obey him. In Acts 5.32, the gift is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given. It's not what God has given, brother. It's whom God hath given. Number six, no, number five is walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, let us not only live in the Spirit, let's not just be alive by regeneration, let us walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? You do the things the Spirit loves. What are the things the Spirit loves? There's two lists in the last ten verses of Galatians 5. There's the works of the flesh, and there's the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Don't do the one, do the other. We don't wait for the Spirit to do it through us because we're not fatalists. We just get started, and the Spirit's like a turbocharger. And I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, Lord. And you know that. Yeah. Once we start, because a turbocharger works on the fact that you have pressed the accelerator and the RPMs and vacuum of your engine is increasing, and it activates the turbocharger to add more air to the mixture. Your engine runs on air. It doesn't run on gas. Learn that. Gas just heats the air that makes your car go. But you want more air jammed in, and we want there to be the sound of a rushing mighty wind that fills us, and we get filled by walking in the Spirit. Right. When it says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and those things, we choose those things, and as we do them, the Holy Spirit gives us further strength and ability to do them better. But we walk in the Spirit. Number six is to pray for the Spirit, like David did in Psalm 51, like Paul did for Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. Like Jesus said to pray for him in Luke 11 and verse 13, where Jesus said, Ye know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. Luke 11 and verse 13. So number six is to pray for him. Number seven is submission to God's will. Is openness and respect to the Spirit of God to direct your life. When you have business plans, you should say, As the Lord liveth. As the Lord will, we will live and do this or that and submit to the will of God. And the Holy Spirit will come in your life if you are submission. That's how do we pray in the Spirit? How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we live in the Spirit? We submit to the will of God. And so though we might make a business plan, and in James chapter 4, it is a business plan. Right. It is a business plan to go into such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. We have a business plan with a profit at the end. Yet, when we do that, we're supposed to submit it to the will of God. And the Holy Spirit acts when we submit to His will. Because then we know we want to do things, He knows we want to do things His way and He will bless us. More can be said on every one of these points. Number eight, wait on God for more of His Spirit by His Spirit. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Strengthen your heart. And the Lord will strengthen your heart. Psalm 27, the last two verses. You start by being of good courage, and you wait on the Lord. It says to wait on the Lord. Wait and trust Him. He will come to you with greater strength as you wait on Him. Be zealous. The Lord loves zeal. It is good to always be zealously affected in a good thing. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 18, the great men in the Bible were zealous. They took courage and they went out and did things, and the Lord blessed them. Even Joab knew how to say it. He told his brother Abishai, you take half the army and, and protect in that direction. 
I'll go in this direction and let's play the men for our God and for our cities and let the Lord do with as it seemeth him good. Amen. When you do that, expect a victory. Do you understand that? Joab knew how to face an army on all sides. He said, brother, you go in that direction. And if I look like I need help, come and help me. If you look like you need help, I'll, I'll send some men to help you. But let's play the men for our God. Let's go to war and let's fight and let the Lord do with as it seemeth him good. Do you, do you see how that's trusting the will of God and it's being zealous all at once? Trust. You know what's going to happen? There's a God in heaven that burns up his enemies. Did you hear from Psalm 97? Yep. Number 10, fulfill his ministry. Fulfill the ministry of the Holy Spirit by loving Christ, his church, his word, and God's worship. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is here for. When you're doing those things, he will empower you. Those are just 10 quick points, I'm sorry, um, to summarize a few conditions for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. We're, we're back there at John chapter 7 and verse 39 that tells us the Holy Spirit was not yet given. But the Holy Spirit had been in the world. Can you think of some men that had the Holy Spirit? Moses had the Holy Spirit. Joshua had the Holy Spirit. The 70 elders of Israel had the Holy Spirit. God said, get those 70 elders together and I'm going to take some of your spirit, Moses. And he didn't mean Moses' spirit. He meant the spirit of God that was in Moses. And I'm going to put it on those 70. And then he put some of it on Joshua. And it came on King Saul. Then, it, then the Holy Spirit... Did I say it? I meant he came on King Saul. Right, sometimes we do that and sometimes it's in the Bible. That comforts me. Amen. But sometimes it's a male pronoun because he is a male pronoun in the Bible. Right. He's God. Right. He's a man of war. As the Bible identifies God. He came on Saul and then he left Saul and went to David. And he would come on Samuel. I didn't finish the story this morning about Saul. Saul was a timid man. Saul was probably seven and a half feet tall. He was from the shoulder up taller than anyone else in Israel. He was a great first king. I mean, when Saul walked down the streets, you liked that king. In a parade, he looked good. You know, when he lined up with his soldiers, he was from here up taller than any of them. But he was a timid man. He didn't want the, he didn't want the job. He was hiding in the stuff at his coronation, the Bible tells us. That, those are the words in the Bible. Where do you think the word stuff came from? You thought you or your mother invented it? It's in the Bible. He was hiding in the stuff. But you know what? The Bible says, I'm going to put my, God said, I'm going to put my spirit on him. And he's going to be a different man. And God put his spirit on him and he began prophesying. He turned into a prophet. He's blasting away. He's preaching. Saul, the timid one. Then another nation came and raided one of their villages. Saul took a yoke of oxen, that's two great big oxen, he chopped them in 12 pieces, put them in FedEx envelopes and sent them to each tribe in Israel and said, if you and your men aren't here one, this time tomorrow ready to fight, this is what your herds are going to look like. Would you tell me how timid that sounds and looks? I like that kind of a leader. That sounds like George Patton and a whole lot more. Both profane men, but both good generals. For a while. Let's just stop the comparison. Men had received the Holy Spirit before, but that not as the comforter and not to stay. He would come upon men. Samson had the Holy Spirit for a little while, then the Spirit would leave Samson. 
Then it would come on him again and he would do some great work in defending Israel against the Philistines. But now he's come forever to abide with us forever. For God and the Father and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to dwell with us forever. That's why when in those places you read last evening, John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus said, If a man love me, my Father will love him. And we, plural, will come to him and dwell with him and abide with him through the Holy Spirit. That hadn't happened before. That was all new. And this transcendent change included Gentiles like Cornelius. i, I got to show it to you this time. I quoted it, but Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 in that 39th verse. While you're turning, I'll read you verse 38, which you've heard so many times. Peter said to the 3,000 the day of Pentecost, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift was God giving through Jesus the personal presence of the Holy Ghost that initially in some people was manifested in miraculous signs and wonders. But not all, because not all spoke in tongues. But I want the next verse. For the promise is unto you. What promise? The promise of the Spirit that Jesus had given from God to him, to the church, to believers. For the promise of the personal presence of the Holy Spirit is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. All of God's elect that are called and obey the gospel and are believe it and are baptized, they get the personal presence of the Holy Spirit. What about that Italian over here in Acts chapter 10? Well, turn over to Acts chapter 10 and let's read about that Italian. What happened to that Italian? Peter is preaching to him the gospel. He that believeth... He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let's see what happens to this poor Italian. And I mean that foolishly. He was a rich Italian after this event. Amen. Verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words. What words? Preaching about Jesus Christ. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. The gift is the Holy Ghost himself from God through Christ on Cornelius. Verse 45, and they of the circumcision, that is the Jews which believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, all the Jews that came with Peter were astonished because they hadn't had the vision up on the rooftop of the sheep being let down with all those unclean animals in it. And the Lord saying, arise and eat. What God hath cleansed, call not thou common. They hadn't heard that yet. Peter was a little more ready for this. They weren't. They were astonished. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. God poured out the gift of the personal presence of the Holy Ghost on these Italian, this Italian man of the Italian band. And they spoke in tongues to show that the Holy Ghost was on them in order to encourage Peter to baptize them. The order was changed. Acts 2.38 says to repent and be baptized and you'll get the gift. Here they got the gift first to encourage these Jews Go ahead and baptize them, because it was, it was hard to imagine baptizing one of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. What a transcendent change that included the Gentiles. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given like he was being given then. The apostles already had considerable spirit power to perform miracles, but they didn't have spiritual power to understand, and they didn't have spiritual power for full character they didn't have spiritual power to look like little Christ in the world, and they got all that after the day of Pentecost, and it happened. Bam! It happened. 
Peter could get up and start opening up scripture. He could grab Joel chapter 2 and explain that it was happening right then, right there on the spot. He went through some logical reasons, reasoning in that first sermon that's preached on Pentecost about how David said that my soul will not, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor will it suffer corruption. And he said, now we all know that David's soul is absolutely corrupt. It's just down the street in the cemetery. But David was also a prophet. So David was talking about his son. I'm here to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he just went through the world. What in the world happened to Peter? Do you know every other time we heard Peter open his mouth with things like, bid me come to you on the water. Lord, be it far from you to ever go to Jerusalem. Get thee behind me. Not every time, but sometimes. But what a change in the day of Pentecost. Every single one of you, every child, every youth, it depends on how much you want to love the Lord Jesus Christ and do those 10 things that I just quickly summarized to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Right. You can outshine and outstrip anyone in this church if you want to by his grace and power. That's right. Paul did. Paul knew that there was grace working in him that was exceptional, but he labored more abundantly than they all, and it showed every one of you. David, I'm looking at you. Jones, Every, any one of you, Selenica, why in the world do you want to settle for 18th best or 100th place? Why don't you be a spirit-filled woman? That's what I want for you. I'm sorry, Grandma, for mentioning your daughter. Lord, help each one of us. That little shepherd boy, David, what did he do under the power of the Holy Spirit? That wild man, Samson, what did he do under the power of the Holy Spirit? Timid Saul, what did he do? Peter, what did he do? Look at these men. There's Peter. It's time to die now. There's Peter saying, don't you dare crucify me right side up. You crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up like my Lord. Does that sound like a timid man to you? Was he still thinking with his full powers when he's about to die? You know, that little girl back there before Pentecost had said, he knows Jesus of Nazareth. Peter wouldn't admit it. The Lord can, the Lord can do that to every single one of you. Right. Inside blessings of grace and testimony in your spirit. Verbal blessings to others. Diffusing himself through you. Flowing from you rivers. Changing your life. Giving you power, confidence that you didn't have. There's a young lady somewhere in this room or in the room next that came to me at break time said that she always felt that she was timid like Saul. But you know, when she smiles, she lights the whole church up. She's got a light bulb for a face. I'm not going to say her name. I'm just going to look at her parents. She wanted to come to me and say what you said about Saul. Bless me very much because I feel like I'm a timid woman. I don't have anything to say. I said, do you know what happened to Saul when the Lord got done? He was a prophet. Saul was a prophet on more than one occasion. Right. If you're reading First and Second Samuel, the Lord can change any one of us. Lord, keep changing me, please, for the benefit of this poor church and for your glory. Keep changing us. They had miracle power but they didn't have revelatory gifts to understand the scriptures, which is what we pray for. And they had personal and character deficiencies and a lack of fellowship that they got from the Holy Spirit that changed their lives. Fruit is much better than gifts. Did you hear that earlier this morning? 
Just remember that in the Bible. Fruit is much better than gifts. The devil can perform miracles. Judas Iscariot can perform miracles. But the devil doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit, nor did Judas Iscariot have the fruit of the Spirit. Judas Iscariot was wandering around in the back of the twelve with the bag because he was a thief. But he could, he could preach and he could perform miracles with the best of them. But he didn't have the fruit of love because look at what he did. He's out conspiring with the enemies of Jesus to have him crucified. Doesn't it tell us this in 1 Corinthians 12 when it lists all the gifts? And then Paul said, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is love. How we love each other is more excellent than any miracle that can ever be performed, even in an apostolic level. The Bible says that. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. I don't have time to go over the glorification of Jesus. I did a little bit last Sunday. But when it says that in John 7, 39, John chapter 7 and verse 39, Jesus was not yet glorified, meant that he hadn't yet been resurrected, ascended, and sat down at the right hand of God on high. That was a fabulous event in this universe's history. The son of David arrives in heaven. Jerry and others love Revelation chapter 5. That's Jesus arriving in heaven. God gave John a picture of what it was like when Jesus left this world's atmosphere and arrived in heaven. Revelation 5 is the continuation of Acts chapter 1. I've told you this a thousand times and I don't care about the next time because the next time is right now. Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. The apostles are looking up into heaven because Jesus has just gone up into the clouds and they're looking up. Two angels appear and say, Ye men of Galilee, what are you gazing up into heaven for? This same Jesus that is taken up from you is coming in the same way. Amen. Now get to work. And they waited one more week because Jesus had said, Stay in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And they got power and they turned the world upside down. But where Acts 1.11 ends by Jesus going into the cloud, Revelation 5 picks up by Jesus arriving in heaven. Because he's seen there for the first time as the choirs burst into praise about him. Amen. And it was a tremendous event. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and gave gifts to men. And what was the greatest gift? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He poured it out on the day of Pentecost. Can I prove it from a Bible? How many verses do you want? But let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 33 to fulfill John 7, 39. And I love this verse, and I want you to love this verse with me. John 7, 30, you're going to Acts 2, 33. I'm quoting John 7, 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now on the day of Pentecost, there was a rushing mighty wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So God gave the presence of the Spirit on that day of Pentecost. So Jesus must be glorified. Right? By just connecting, by looking at the prophecy. And here we go, verse 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted. Instead of the word glorified from John 7, 39, it's exalted. This is a fantastic cross-reference to John 7, 39. Acts 2, 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, Jesus received the Holy Ghost from God. He, Jesus Christ, hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear, whom the Father will send in my name. I will send another comforter for you. All these are fulfilled in Acts 
No more time for that. There's so much more that can be said about the coronation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was said under a sermon entitled The Coronation of Jesus Christ. About his ascension, he ascended up on high. Another sermon. Wonderful subjects. How about if we just keep reading? Acts 2.34. For David is not ascended into the heavens. Peter's been quoting David from the Psalms. David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Is God's power, God's strength, and his might felt, known, seen, and proven in you? Are there lusts you cannot put down, but always struggle and lose to them? There are sins that easily beset. I'm not contradicting that. But do you always lose? Are you able to forgive others freely and fully as God in Christ forgave you? Can you, have you, flushed all bitterness toward every other person in life? Can you go a day, a week, without sinning presumptuously? If not, why not? Are you able to bear up under multiple adversaries and thank God for them? Do chronic health issues or regular personal problems get you down? Why? Can you control your tongue? No man can tame it, but Christ can tame it. Is your spirit volatile? Yet you can learn gentleness and meekness of Christ. Do you fear fear? Trials will come to test you. There's no fear in Christ. Could you die for him who died for you? Easily by learning more of him. The Spirit is able to give you positive answers to all of those questions. John chapter 7, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Right. He that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, just like the scriptures said. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given, but he was given seven months later on the day of Pentecost. And we have him today. And the most important thing for you to get from these verses before next Sunday, when we go on to the finish out this chapter, are all the ministries and the power and the presence and the intimacy, and the fellowship, and the communion, and the comfort, and the establishment, and the strengthening, and the might that you can have in your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the joy, and the peace, and the abounding hope, and all sufficient grace to accomplish anything, to withstand anything, to bear up under any trial, that power, that presence, that divine nature, that fullness of the being filled with all the fullness of God is available based on our praying, seeking, trusting, submitting, obeying, and honoring Jesus Christ. We cannot be content as a church with Ephesians 1 teaching us about election and Ephesians 2 teaching us about regeneration. We want to be looking at the rest of what Ephesians teaches that we can have by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit did not come to bear witness of himself. The Holy Spirit came to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so right now the Holy Spirit wants us to end that subject of talking about him 
and to sing two songs about the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Consider his dimensions very briefly and have the Lord's Supper. <laughs> 